Hello, 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 and welcome to Just Our Society in Conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about COVID's effect on mental health with Olivia Miller. So I guess before you get started, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My name is Lib, and I'm a mental health advocate from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Cool, wonderful. So I guess just with that, um, you know, I think one of the big topics is mental health's role in the pandemic. So, you know, your thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think um, mental health was already something that needed to be prioritized before the pandemic, but now we're kind of learning the hard way that um, there are a lot of barriers in our lives that we can't necessarily anticipate and we can't necessarily control. And the pandemic is definitely teaching us um, that we have to stay uh, resilient and adaptive and that those are lessons that we learn over time. So um, I've definitely been challenged personally in my own life. I was in a pretty good place before the pandemic started. And then obviously that has um, been kind of a roller coaster and making adjustments and learning new ways of living. But I definitely think that um, because of the pandemic, unfortunately, we are learning how important and vital it is to prioritize our mental health. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I think also uh, with mental health in the pandemic, I think before um, it wasn't really as much of a widespread thing as it is currently. I think that during the pandemic, um, I guess just because, you know, everybody's sort of alone and at home, um, everybody was a lot, like really affected by it rather. Um, whereas before the pandemic, it wasn't necessarily so. And so I think that um, you know, I think there was a little more awareness, especially when the pandemic started regarding mental health, just because I think a lot of people, in fact, the majority of, I mean, everybody, because it's a pandemic, um, you know, were affected by it. And I think that's something to bring up as well. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that only certain people um, who were maybe more emotional or were more in touch with their emotions on a regular basis were forced to reflect in the past on how they were doing and um, were experiencing things that brought them to look internally. And now we have so many circumstances um, that have changed and so many different factors affecting our lives that a lot of people who are not used to doing reflective work and personal development work are being forced to look inside themselves and make difficult decisions and um, find new ways to support themselves because they're maybe losing the pieces that they had before that helped them. So it's definitely a, a, a changing era. And with that comes a lot of uh, strain on our mental health for sure. Mm -hmm. I think also since everything's online, um, a lot of facilitators, so for example, in school, that'd be your guidance counselors. Um, and I guess just for like general society, that would be your health directors, um, your government health directors, etc. I think that they also had um, a hard time adjusting. Now that kind of goes for everything, not just mental health, to be fair. But I think that um, especially just because, you know, they're also people like since the majority of you know people um were affected it also kind of i think um made people realize that some of the things that we were doing before were just kind of useless um because i mean you know certain facilities certain institutionalized places they do things and unfortunately some things just don't work out and i think that the pandemic definitely brought a lot of attention to that because in a way um you know the governmental figures or you know just anybody really affected by any of it um you know also experienced that or felt that oh you know like this doesn't really help so we have to find new ways of doing it um and i think they're still you know trying to figure it out for sure um you know because the pandemic is ever changing but i definitely think that 
hopefully, I think if we're going to look at anything positive, um, you know, mental health will be a lot more paid attention to um, even after the pandemic. So absolutely i think that can be one thing we walk away with i know that absolutely ed education systems seem to be looking at it more critically i work for the umbrella project which is a um, parenting strategy and classroom program that implements um, social emotional learning skills into schools and um, unfortunately we've been struggling a bit more during the pandemic but we do see the interest that is something we're seeing that um, teachers and administrators and educators are all looking around and um, they have to address within their classrooms issues that they've never had to before. They've never had to explain to kids why they can't hug their friend in a classroom. And there are just things that um, prioritizing mental health in schools um, is, is a re required for. It's just um, oh, something they've never had to face before. And we're, we're starting to realize how um, we were lucky before that we didn't have to face some of these things, but it wasn't necessarily the right way to go about it um, because now we can um, approach mental health skills and, and become more vulnerable in our environments than we have before. Mm -hmm. I definitely think also um, just to, you know, piggyback on what you were saying, uh, since they have to, you know, reevaluate everything, uh, obviously in, you know, the way that they decide to teach your classrooms or uh, how to teach your schools or anything like that, I think they're also reevaluating the core of, you know, these very vital fundamental things. So emotion and like socialization, because before I think, you know, in a sense, it was kind of standard, like it's been the same for all these years. And that's kind of just how it's been. But since, you know, you have to rework it, whenever you rework something, you obviously have to reevaluate the core of it and like the meaning of it and everything behind that. I think that also, you know, um, definitely forced a lot of people to rethink a couple of things, I think. Um, and I think that a lot of people might have not realized because uh, it's just so standard and it's so normalized uh, and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, like socialization or like um, emotions and like interaction and stuff. But um, it's almost, I guess it was almost like anticipated. It wasn't really appreciated for uh, what it truly is, or I guess, you know, how much appreciate we, appreciation we should actually hold to it, hold hold it to, oh my goodness, um, brings a little fuzzy because of school, but, uh, you know, and I think that that's good as well, so. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I guess just to talk about, um, on the, or I guess on the topic of socialization, I know that the pandemic definitely, obviously, I would hope, you know, um, you know, has caused a lot of people to not socialize. I guess to clarify, it's not that, you know, socialization is bad. I would hope that, you know, you can socialize, but hopefully you're not seeing other people because, you know, safety. But yeah. um, nonetheless, I know that social isolation and being lonely is a really big part of, you know, um, what everybody's considering in the pandemic and specific to mental health. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, um, I have a background in positive psychology. Um, I did a specialization with the University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago. And one of the things they teach you um, is the PERMA-V acronym. And um, that acronym stands for positive emotions, engagement, uh, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. And then the V is for vitality. And um, as you can see with the R, that stands for relationships. And this acronym is supposed to um, 
just encompass different areas of your life that contribute to the emotion happiness, like what brings you joy. And so um, with that acronym, you can recognize that relationships are a huge part in how we feel joy, how we feel comfortable and how we feel safe. Um, and so with our relationships all of a sudden changing big time, there are some people who aren't able to see the people that they love. There are some people who feel completely detached um, from the people that they usually see. Um, there's a challenge with digital communication that some of us knew before, but some of us also didn't, um, in that it still feels very disconnected. We're more connected than ever, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that. And for a lot of people, we have to reevaluate our relationships during this time and figure out how we can um, maintain them, how we can feel the same feelings we felt in person in some way. So, I mean, I'm doing a book club with some of my friends. Um, we do like Zoom dates with each other and um, we try to keep up with different ideas, but it definitely is a challenge. And I think um, we can't underestimate the importance of the relationships in our lives. It's such a big part of uh, what we may have taken advantage before, even just passing people on the street or just um, being in busier environments. I know I went to a somewhat busy environment um, over the weekend and I was shocked at how out of practice I was um, with having so many people around me. It was just like, it felt all new again. So I think we definitely have to analyze um, how lack of relationships or differentiating relationships are making us feel and um, not to beat ourselves up about that, but to recognize that that's a piece that we need to prioritize during this time. Mm -hmm, definitely. And something that I noticed too, where a lot of people um, were sharing their thoughts, um, I guess like mostly in high school. So like high school kids were sharing their thoughts on how, um, especially when the pandemic started, they kind of lost a lot of friends. And, um, you know, eventually after those first few initial months like happened, then, you know, a lot of people ended up sharing like, oh, you know, I guess like the pandemic has sort of in a way shown me who like my real friends are. And I think that something important to note is also, um, you know, sometimes certain relationships are like, you know, there's, it's like a school relationship. So if you're friends with someone like a classmate, um, sometimes there's a mutual understanding that that's all it's going to be. And I think that especially in high school, that's not really sort of like something that you come to realize. I think it's more something you realize after university perhaps because you're no longer in an institutionalized sort of space where it's kind of standard that you're going to be friends with their classmates because, you know, after university at that point, like you're living your own life, you know, like it's, you're independent, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that aspect really just caused a lot of people to grow up, I guess, um, or to just go through this like period of growth that probably wasn't coming for a lot of people until like later, which is um, like obviously fine, but it was sort of a surprise. And I think that that definitely brought a lot of people down because, um, you know, like at some point, like it was sort of like, oh, like, I, I'm friends with like, I have so many friends and, and that's good, right? But then also at the same time, um, you know, just like that rapid growth, I think affected a lot of people, so. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting because I think too, a lot of um, the assumptions we make are private and we don't necessarily communicate um, I mean, I know when I was in high school, I didn't walk up to the friends that I saw in class and said, so what kind of friends are we? Are we best friends? Are we friends that are going to hang out at a school? Like, that's just not communication that happens. So all of a sudden, when you're not just naturally seeing these people all the time, it gets confusing. And both, both sides make different assumptions about what the relationship really means, whether it should be maintained, and, and just the lack of communication um, 
in general was already bad and then not being in person and not having um, the reassurances in person was definitely tough. I yeah, think um, I study peace and conflict studies in my degree and one of the things we learn about is um, how miscommunications happen and a lot of it has to do with um, so much of communication being private. So the intentions that we have when something happens is private. We don't go and we say our intentions before we do something, we just do it. And then the effect that it has afterwards is often kept private too, because the other person's not telling you necessarily how it, how it felt to them. So the only part that you and this other person are sharing are the actions, what is actually being done. And what gets challenging about that is, is the the way that it's not communicated and um, how the intent may not have um, been executed the way that you had hoped and the person may have had a different effect than what you had hoped for it. So because of all of this communication that we're doing right now being digital and not even happening at all, there's so many more um, grounds for miscommunication and issues with that. Definitely. I think um you know, especially like digitalized, like you were saying, like you sort of have to communicate really well, especially in this sort of digital world that we're currently in. And I don't think a lot of people are used to that because usually you would just kind of go up to whoever you want to talk to after class and like, oh, you know, do you want to grab like a cup of coffee or whatever? Um, and that would be that. But online, it almost seems like you have to make more effort. I guess in a way, it's just, you know, we're not used to communicating online so much, but it's also you know, just the feeling of having to like genuinely reach out without it kind of just already being there, like being mm -hmm. easy, um, that communication is hard. So I think that, you know, that has definitely impacted a lot of people, just, you know, the shift in communication and just, you know, I guess baseline how um, communication, I think, has never really been talked about. It, I don't think it's like necessarily a thing that like is really taught in school other than like in elementary school. Um, and this is slightly off topic, but this was something I was talking about with a couple of my friends. And it was sort of how, you know, honestly speaking, um, communication was like really nice in elementary. You know, if you argued with your friend, you would go up, you'd be like, I'm mad at you. And then you would talk it out. But then in <laughs> high school, um, or I guess just later after, there's a lot of like, you know, just like little things here and there, you know, you, you kind of avoid each other. It might be because of your ego, might be because of your pride or just, you know, at the baseline, you're not used to communicating the way that you did in elementary. And um, so sometimes like when I have arguments with friends, they're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to act like a 10 year old and just say like, oh, are you mad at me? And I think that wasn't something really, like, really interesting because in elementary, they really pushed communication. But then I think afterwards, it was kind of like left to the dust. And mm -hmm. so communication is in a way a lot more like a lot harder I think when you're older granted you're older so you know you know a lot more things you have experienced a lot a lot more than you have in elementary but I just thought it was a really interesting thing yeah um, that's absolutely interesting even just curiosity you hear about in kids how they have so much more of it and I think um there are different socialization effects that kind of lead us to believe that we will communicate less in our teen years that's just kind of what is known like girls are supposed to be catty teenage girls are supposed to be catty and boys are supposed to be disengaged and there are just a lot of stereotypes that contribute to how we act as well and just it's definitely not normalized to communicate at that age you're definitely right with that and then even just with the pandemic changing how how much we know about each other. I know if a friend walked into the building 
um, and they were having a bad day, I'd know just by how they were walking or how they talked or how they looked. And now we don't have that reassurance. And that's part of what's so scary is we can't tell um, if someone's not talking to us, if they're just struggling with their mental health and it has nothing to do with us or if they're upset with us. And, and that brings an even bigger barrier to supporting each other and maintaining relationships. Mm -hmm. I definitely think also with the pandemic, it's brought a lot of like um, questioning, I think, about different coping methods, because I think like, you know, whether it be good or bad, I think it's like it's both. It's pretty neutral. But um, before the pandemic, or I guess, you know, when you're not stuck at home all the time on like your electronics, doing work and socializing and everything kind of thing, um, there was a lot of like welcome, like sort of background noise. Now, it's not background, obviously, like it's still very important, but it's almost like, you know, because you're just at other places so often, you can talk to a lot of people. But um, now that you're online, I think that that's kind of decreased a lot. Because I mean, first of all, I think that since you're doing everything digital, so you know, going to school, you're socializing, you're doing your work, like everything's online. Um, to a certain extent, it's also like, oh, I don't want to stay online that much, you know, and I think it's sort of for some people anyways, kind of made it so that, you know, everything digital is sort of just like the bare minimum that you have to do to so your work, uh, social, like a couple, a bit of socialization, etc. But then since, you know, there's not much you can kind of distract yourself with, like, I don't know, going shopping, going out, whatever, taking a walk, there's like, it's so limited. I think that a lot of people um, ha have had to change like coping mechanisms or like coping methods. And it's been hard. Like, I think a big one has been baking. I know a lot of people started baking during the pandemic as a way mm -hmm. to, you know, cope. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, what might've been their coping methods before have kind of been taken away from a lot of people. And so they definitely had to develop a lot. Like, I mean, different ones actually, just completely different ones. And that's been hard too, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we can't possibly comprehend fully what the people around us are going through in terms of stress from the pandemic, whether it be like their finances or their job or school, or just all of the different pieces that um, honestly were unstable before. Like if we look at our economy and we look at the, the relationships in the world around us, everything before the pandemic was unstable. It's just the pandemic did a scary, scarily good job of showing us what is insecure and what is unstable and what can happen um, when some of our more basic uh, needs are threatened um, in the world that we live in. And it's definitely, um, it can definitely be something you look at on a wide scale, on a global scale, but also just with your neighbor and the person next door. So, I mean, that's very overwhelming. And for people who are deep feelers or sensitive people, um, I hold that title with pride, but it does get hard to um, look around at all these pieces and to actually see and understand in such a deeper way how um, challenging the next couple of decades are going to be, not even just right now, but the aftermath of COVID and, and um, what we're going to do to um, be better to, towards each other and be more kind um, within our institutions and systems. And so it's, it's, it's um, something that we can't fully understand, um, but with that knowledge that we'll never completely get what the people around us are going through um, has the potential to make us much more compassionate than we are right now and carry that with us as we go forward. Mm, that's definitely true. I think you brought up like a great point. I think like um, 
hopefully, even though you know it sucks being in a pandemic, um, these changes will sort of make us grow as a society, I think. Um, and I mean, I guess you just said it, you know, hopefully we'll be more compassionate and more empathetic. And um, our communication skills will hopefully get better because again, digitalized world, it's a whole different method of like communication and it sort of kind of brings to light, um, you know, how hard communication is, how much you should actually focus on it. And so, yeah, I think that's like, that's a really great point to bring up. Um, but, you know, you brought up like finances and I guess, you know, also to talk about that, like the pandemic, um has caused a lot of stress i think for more logistical things you know i think like more logistical things like finance and like work and like i mean obviously health it's a pandemic um um has been a lot more unstable than it would have been in like real life well not real life but you know before the pandemic because i think before the pandemic even though you know life is generally unstable as sort of like it's just kind of what it is. I think that you could still kind of look through resources and understand like, oh, you know, like if I have to take this certain work path, it's going to be unstable because of certain dot, 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 like economical changes or a certain like, you know, just like progress steps or whatever. And that's kind of like, even though it might be unstable, you can still sort of look for resources there. Um, but you know now you can't really do that because it's a lot different right a lot of people have adapted um and so there aren't as many resources that there would be like hypothetically if you would be working in person just because you know like we've never had a pandemic or at least we haven't for like well we have had pandemics we haven't had one for a long time right um at least nowhere in the recent past and so I think that provides for a lot of instability and I mean, finances, just like the stress of the pandemic itself and, um, you know, the strain it has on like our economy and, um, you know, our world and also like the political world as well, um, you know, makes everything a lot of like really unstable, I think, like, especially in Canada, um, I learned in business class that like, you know, we've been due for a recession for a while. Um, and I think, you know, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, I was thinking like, you know, like pandemics are like really strain, like strainful. I don't know if that's a word, but they put a lot of strain on yeah. the economy. And um, if we were, if we've been due for like a recession for like five years, is this going to be the catalyst? Like, is this going to cause, you know, really like great, great depression kind of level, like sort of recession in which that would be really bad. And I think that was really stressful as well. And then, I mean, health is just like, obviously you don't want, um, to hear or to have your loved ones or even just like other people um like you know be in danger because of their health or or to die because of a pandemic and that's definitely stressful too so yeah i definitely think um even just on a global politics scale we we know that um, america dominates kind of as as the leader of our order here but um what's really interesting is just that their leadership became as it is through default because after World War II, um, no other country was uh, a possible contender to run the world order. And so now we have America very clearly in decline. We have the economy in question. Um, for the past four years, we've had their politics in question. Um, and now we may be um, in a more positive uphill now, um, but we do see the moral crisis within the states being more exposed. And it begs the question, what does it require a, a, a global leader um, to have to be a strong leader? What do, do they need to have moral stability to be able to um, 
essentially run the world within a global pandemic or will this lead to um, an unsettling shift kind of like you talked about will this lead to a depression will this lead to challenging leaderships from other countries and um, for those who maybe aren't um, emotional feelers but are logical thinkers they're also looking at this and they're going oh my gosh this pandemic is changing everything and if they're not emotional thinkers um, they're not recognizing how understanding the world around them is affecting their mental health. And so that's also what's kind of dangerous is even if you're not an emotional person and you're not thinking about the death impacts or the isolation impacts, you might be thinking about the political and economical impacts. And that's also just as hard on your mental health to be thinking about that and anticipating what's to come. And um, I mean, I think if you're a logistical thinker, oftentimes that clashes with being an emotional thinker. So this might be new to you to have to be thinking about such um, deep global um, issues that could potentially harm you as a person. So it's definitely something that um, we all are affected by our mental health, no matter how you think about it, um, no matter which aspects of the pandemic you're thinking about the most, our mental health is affected. Mm -hmm. And I think like even that is just sort of like I like a general mindset that I think our society currently has. Um, but also to, to even dig a little deeper into that, like, you know, what if you're someone who, um, you know, is not doing great financially because of the pandemic? That's really stressful. Or what if you're someone who's out of work because of the pandemic, right? The pandemic has obviously, um, you know, put a lot of people out of work. And that's something that I think a lot of people are concerned about or are currently worrying about as well. Like it's, um, you know, also the change you know obviously the change but then also what are what am i or like if you were in those places like what am i going to do now you know um like especially with all these kind of shifting very unsettling not looking so great type of uh, changes um even the now and the then kind of thing uh, that begs you know the question of like will i be okay financially will i be okay in terms of work like um you know will i be able to pick myself up even during a pandemic and I think that's really stressful as well for some people. So. Absolutely. I think it's something that affects all of us in some way, shape or form, um, even if it's a little bit less than somebody else. There's absolutely one way that this pandemic is affecting you and making you question things that you once thought were stable. And it definitely um, it's definitely something that we're seeing around us all the time. It's not something that. Um, goes hidden, which is kind of miraculous because people can hide a lot. They can smile uh, and cover a lot of things up. But I think it's it's sadly normal that a lot of people are struggling right now. And my hope is that because it's so normal, um, that people will reach out. They won't feel embarrassed. They won't feel ashamed of where they're at. And this will motivate them to reach out for supports and to maybe even enact change. There are so many leaders, young leaders like your team who are doing the work, who are pushing to make this world safer and more secure. And my only hope is that um, with our realization of how normal our struggle is right now, that we can challenge that and say, this shouldn't be normal. This shouldn't be the way that it is. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I think, um, especially during the pandemic, something that has been off topic is also youth mental health. Um, you know, obviously, just being online, like seven hours a day for the entire school day has been really hard. And I would say a lot of students, but something that also has been talked about is how, you know, considering all these different shifts in our world, whether it be political or economical, all that kind of stuff, um, and then also, you know, the sort of expectation that 
our youth are expected to have or to achieve um, has been really stressful. And also, you know, sort of the intersection between the both um, has been a question that I think has been raised by both administration and also students. Um, I think that, you know, for a lot of teachers that I've had personally, um, you know, sometimes like, especially when, you know, the whole American like politics, like, the peak of it was happening, um, we would often just spend the entire class just talking about it, even if it was like, I don't know, like a math class or something like that, you know? Um, and while that's good, and that's obviously something that uh, is great to talk about, it also like is really stressful. Um, and I think that's something to consider as well. I think there are a lot of nuances with how, you know, the expectation is even during the pandemic uh, in terms of like school expectations and grades and fulfilling, you know, certain requirements and things like that. But then also how our youth are handling such a rise in like social issues. I think especially in March last year, March last year or May last year ish, um, a lot of people were radicalized, I, I guess, you know, um, especially through social media. And um, a lot of it was brought through social media actually. And so, definitely you know definitely brought them to attention i think uh, to youth but you know the question holds or the question begs uh, how has that affected their mental health so yeah absolutely i think too not even just with our education expectations but our workplace expectations because even just in the past couple decades the amount of schooling required to maintain a solid job has changed drastically. It's now like normal in this area to go for a certificate or for a master's or even all the way to a PhD. And really we have to consider what um, what it's going to look like if we keep requiring more and more certifications, but people can't get through education because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And is the quality of our education enough right now to have people in the roles of social worker or being doctors or really important jobs that require full attention that hasn't been able to be given because we're living in a pandemic. And so I definitely think not, order, not only is it stressful to um, manage grades and school assignments with compassion, but to manage our workplace, um, our workplace expectations and um, the the limit of jobs right now, especially for youth, is is wild. And mm -hmm. um, to be moving forward in such an uncertain future is is something that a lot of people do realize, um, especially young people. And that's a really really difficult thing to face. It's difficult to understand that there's pieces of this that we can't control, but we go forward anyways. And so to continue, I mean, like we talked about before, um, reaching out and communicating with whoever you feel comfortable, whoever's a safe person for you. I mean, there is no limit to the amount of things that can be overwhelming us right now. And it's definitely important that we keep talking about it. Yeah, definitely. And that was a great point you brought up. Like, um, I know for me, like I'm in grade 11, so I'm not yet a senior, but Regardless, I know that a lot of people have sort of been talking about, um, you know, going to university instead of the requirements to go there as well, because obviously, you know, our administration has sort of implemented some sort of like, oh, you know, like, uh, grade a little easier, you know, because the pandemic is, or kind of has like a huge effect on everybody, but then um, some people, I think in certain areas, uh, you know, depending on if you're in the city or in the countryside, you know, also, you know, sort of the competition, and I, it, it's sad to say that it's competition, but um, in a way, they're also like, okay, but if all the grades are raised, like, how is this going to look for university acceptances? 
right? Because there are averages for grades, like for university. Um, that's just unfortunately how it's always been. And so a lot of uncertainty around that and sort of how that's going to be held. And I know that a lot of seniors, especially, are, you know, worried about that. Um, and then also, I think with that comes, like you were saying, uh, nowadays, it's really hard to get like a job without, you know, going all the way to a master's or a PhD, or at least a stable job. Um, at this point, like a bachelor's to a lot of people is sort of just like a high school credit that you, or a high school certificate that you have to pay for. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, first of all, that kind of puts you in a lot of debt already. And secondly, even then, like, if it's so hard to get such a stable job, like, are you going to be able to pay it off? Um, and also, like, I mean, I would, like a lot of people, I would think that everybody wants a stable job. And, you know, even before the pandemic, that wasn't looking so hot, but especially during the pandemic and the changes that we go through now, you know, a lot, everything is shifting. And I think that, you know, job prospects and like what you want to major in and like how you have to weigh that against each other and sort of like just being able to find a stable job after perhaps whatever you end up doing, like that's a question that I think a lot of youth are facing. Um, and unfortunately, like, university has always or like university and schooling and finding jobs has always been hard but especially now when you don't really have any resources that you can kind of you know uh, fall back on or look for to or like look for for help um I think that that's really difficult so absolutely and I think we'll see in the next um, year or so as we continue unfortunately with this pandemic that people are starting to recognize the full scale of these issues I think if we're young people and we're able to recognize them then there are going to be some adults um, that start to say okay we need to make resources for this we need to provide support for this and it takes time but I do believe that there has been a moral shift um, more so a moral outcry from a lot of our North American countries at least just saying um, that a lot of what happens right now in our economy and our society is not right and um, this pandemic allows us without a doubt the opportunity to change these things and um, I hope that um, we continue to see young people stand up um, and start their own initiatives. I think innovation and entrepreneurship is um, something that is prioritized in our generation in a way that is very unique um, and unlike other other generations. And so with that said, I think that we can also understand that if something like a pandemic can happen in um, in the most unexpected way, then we can also expect for positive things and positive developments to come in unexpected ways as well. And so I, I hope I've been trying to do some more radical positive thinking because I'm great with radical negative thinking and looking at all of the pieces that are unfortunately mm -hmm. true about our society. But yeah. I think um, one of the things that I'm starting to encourage myself to do is to think of the positive what ifs and to better my mental health by imagining what um, a better world after this pandemic could look like. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's definitely good to do. I mean, radicalized positive pause. Oh my goodness, radicalized positive thinking. I think is a lot more rare than radicalized negative thinking. I think that's something that's kind of you know um, obvious in terms of that. So I'm glad you know you're doing that. That's good for everybody, and you know always get to uh, think positively instead of negatively. But you do bring a up a good point. I think that even though there are a lot of like negative and very uncertain things about the pandemic and how we're going to proceed after the pandemic and grow from it and learn from it, I also think that because the pandemic has forced us to definitely at least um, reconsider and reevaluate a lot of things. So internally, 
um, just relearn the core and the genuine meaning behind uh, different things and whatever else is in our society. I think that um, because, you know, you're kind of, I guess it's sort of like dusting off the dust, um, you know, you're kind of making it new, you're making it shiny. Um, I think even though, you know, there will definitely be, definitely be a period in which it'll be super hard to sort of cope with everything and understand everything and feel everything change, I think that eventually it'll be a good thing. And um, we'll see, you know, how it goes, but I think that, you know, and we can, I mean, what can we do but hope, you know, for the best? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think um, one thing that is scary to lose is hope. And uh, I, I understand, I get why a lot of people at this point have lost it. Um, but there are so many little things that we can do to get it back. It's always, I think, been a fight to continue with hope because like I said, these issues have been here in our society the whole time. It's just this pandemic has really exposed us to them. And I think hope is is something that as a community, we're all feeling the need to have more of. And that could be something that, like I said, ends up bringing positive change is just our desire to feel hopeful again. And I, I, I have hope that within the next year, we will feel um, at least better about things and that we are stronger than we thought we were for handling all of this so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think almost we can look to it as like a purge or like, um, you know, the curtain is thrown back, everything is bare sort of thing. And um, I mean, whenever you do that, obviously it's, it's going to be hard, but um, at the end of the day, you're going to get through it. And I mean, you can really do nothing else, but get through it because it's in front of you. So um, and then, you know, obviously after it's done and over with, you're going to feel relieved and almost like, oh, you know, like it's all purged, it's all cleaned, it's all, you know, like revealed and worked through. And um, I think that we'll be glad eventually that um, we had the opportunity to do it at such a base level. So that's definitely, I think, something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess with that, I think like our time is up in terms of filming, but um, you know, like, thank you so much for guesting our show, but for our audience, where can they reach you? Oh, I am available through my DMs on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is livecatherine. And yeah, I do lots of different mental health advocacy posts and I have group chats where we can connect and continue to support each other through affirmations and resources. So you're welcome to message me on there and we can get you in that community as well. Okay, wonderful. And with that, um, we hope to see you next time.